Hear ye herein, the host of the hour, first to follow the fox named Neve, with books before the bear named M, to read and retire around the long fire. This is my first time doing it without it, it in front of me. So. Oh, damn, I would have kept that there for the next three years. Yeah. Um, We did it. We finished our first saga. We did do that. We have read chapters 30 through 44. 44. Um, yeah. I'm going to tell you, I'm really looking forward to having a physical book to flip uh, open after this one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you, you got the, the tome, so... I have a giant tome, even though we're only using that for like one of those sagas, right? And then we have to, I have to go get other books. Uh, I mean, so we're also using this for a Lux Dialus saga. Okay. Um, but the other reason why I was like, this is probably the, the one to get is just if, if we keep this going, like, uh, Ale sagas in here, uh, Gisley Sorsen sagas in here, we could do the Vinland sagas. Um, I like Ref the Sly, um, cause that. Uh, Ravager means fox, so it's just like a trickster fox character. Um, okay. So there's like lots of good ones in here that we could read. Um, also, I've yet to read. I think like I didn't read all of the tales because I don't think I've read Sarcastic Hotly, uh, which is in the back. But um, that one seems like it'll be fun, <laughs> just mm-hmm. from the title alone. Um, but yeah, so. I guess we can talk about this more when we get to the, the end of the episode, but um, the next one will be uh, Rabinkal's Saga. Uh, and I know Penguin Classics has like a, they have a, a publication that is just like Rabinkal's Saga and then some other shorter stories. Um, okay. You have to buy the big tome. But uh, so yeah, that, that one exists, but I, I figured the tome would be more useful in the long run. Um, yeah. And they are different translations. Uh, I think that the the standalone one I was looking um, may have been like based off of some other texts uh, that now are are less like considered the original. So um, okay. Anyway, uh, we finished Vilsunga Saga. Uh, we did. Really, like this is where you you feel I I think that it is like shifted into a different mode from the more mythic mode. Um, not is that they're... true? I don't know how true I think that is. I, I guess I see it. I mean, there's no dragon in this one. Yeah. Uh, but there's nothing more mythic to me than everyone dies a horrible death. <laughs> yeah, I guess. So the, the main shift that's happening here is like uh, from myth to legend. Uh, mm. It's like moving slightly closer to the present, but it's still not like trying to to necessarily represent um reality but also yeah. when we get the robin kell saga we can talk about like because that's a, a a text that is often considered uh to be like very realist as far as sagas come um mm-hmm. and we're still gonna have some supernatural stuff that we see here um occur there and some of that is just that like there's probably a different understanding at the time that it was written um like our modern conception omens are are taken less seriously than they probably were back then uh like omens were still just like a reality yeah Um, in the way that dragons weren't necessarily (laughs) Mm -hmm. um yeah i don't know if you have any things you want to say at the the start before we we get into some of this 
Uh, no, no, I think we should just get into it. There's a lot, a lot happens here. It's all very bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Everything goes downhill. Um, so, uh, chapter 30 here, uh, we get the title dispute of the queen, uh, Queens, Brynhildr and Gluthern. Um, and this kind of just starts with like, they go to a river, um, and Brynhildr wades out further into the river and Gluthern's like, why are you doing that? Basically? Like, what does this mean? Um, and Brynhildr's like being a little bit bitchy and is like, oh, like, why do I have to be equal to you in all matters? Like, can't I go, go further here? Um, and, uh, you know, basically says like, oh, my husband accomplished these splendid feats, like riding through the burning fire. Um, and Gluthren's like, well, actually, let me reveal the whole, <laughs> the whole lie to you foolishly. Um, I feel like the book has already been, uh, nebulous about whether or not Brunhilder knew that and was just lying to herself. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's a certain, uh, one of the things I think is really interesting in some of the, like the first chapters here that we read, um, I think there's a part later where it gets a little bit, it focuses a little bit less on like the, the characters and, and their dialogue and sort of what they're thinking. Um, but especially at this point, we get like different perspectives or, or different like uh, approaches to dealing with knowing your fate mm-hmm. um, where Seerthor for the most part continues to remain just like, I'm just going to keep like, going forward like what else can i do there's there's no use in resisting this um and brynhildr seems like maybe she was like trying to ignore it or uh didn't want to believe it um and then once everything starts going down she just becomes like the the absolute most depressed um just like non-functioning depression (laughs) going on Mm -hmm. here um but yeah so so glutherin uh you know, says, oh, actually, like, uh, Seerthr is the one who rode through the f- flames. Here's the, like, the ring on Varanat that you gave him to prove it. He, like, gave it to me. Um, and I think this is very funny because then, like, she sees it, recognizes it, um, and is, like, all upset by this, goes home and speaks no words. Um, and then Seerthr comes to, to bed and Glutheran's like, so why is she so gloomy? Like, bitch, you're the, <laughs> you're the one who did this. You know why. Um, but, uh, yeah, and then we get the... Um, I also love the exchange here where she says something like, um, oh, like, she married the man that she wanted, didn't she? And and Seathur's like, wait, what? <laughs> she wanted Gunnar? You sure it wasn't me? Um no, don't ask her that. I, I don't want you to do that. It's going to be bad. Um, then, let me see. Um, yeah, I, there, there's like a fair amount of uh, conversation that's happening here. Um, there's some bit I wanted to get to. I don't know if you have anything in here. No, there's just a lot of Brynhildr being very sad. Yeah. chapters this is most of the rest of the book honestly <laughs> yeah maybe maybe she shouldn't have given away the guy she wanted yeah this is my thought knew it was gonna happen let it happen anyway um 
we do get we do get like some good exchange between um Guthern and, and Brynhildr. Um that even includes like Brynhildr repeatedly being like I just let's just drop it. I like I don't want to do this anymore. Um But yeah, then we get uh let me let me look. Um basically like everyone starts to become aware of uh Brynhildr knowing um the the deception and everything. Um and she ends up threatening to uh kill Gunnar. Um they first like bind her up, um, but then they uh I think it's Gunnar himself who says um that he doesn't want her to live in, in chains. Um and this is just when she like fully goes into like I'm I'm laying in bed for like a week. Um Yes. Yeah. Uh we're gonna get a number of, of lamentations here. Um I think one of the, the significant parts is uh when Sirithur returns home from hunting um and then goes to talk to her. Mm-hmm. Um and and this is where uh we kind of get like at first him trying to to talk through some of it and then basically just like coming down on well like let's just get married let's like let's just fix this by we get married like that's what you want um that's honestly what i want like let's just uh you know break our current marriages and get married and uh, at this point Brynhildr's like just too upset like it's too you late betrayed me yeah it's yes. too late uh you already betrayed me like um i don't i don't want anybody and i don't want to live is is yes. basically where uh where she ends these things um and then she ends up uh i think is, is she i think she's like involved in kind of uh egging on um gunner and hogney Oh yeah, no. She literally sets this all in motion. Yeah, um, yeah. She says, uh, "You shall lose both power and wealth, life and me, and I shall journey home to my kin and remain there in sorrow unless you kill Seerthur and his son. Um, do not raise the wolf cub." Um, and uh, both Gunnar and Hogni are uh, blood brothers with uh, with Seerthur, but there's one who isn't. Uh, the one who. Um, you know, kept getting left out before. Uh, Gudorm. Yeah. Gudorm. Uh, Good Gudorm. Right yeah. Uh, and he's just a... He's young. Uh, seems like kind of a weakling. Um, but they feed him uh, snake venom and wolf meat. Uh, yes. Mixed with ale. And and this uh, turns him violent. And they, they have him go to kill uh, Seerthur and... Uh, he tries three times to enter the, the room. Uh, the first two times, Seerthur looks at him um, and he dares not attack and backs away. Uh, but on the third time, uh, Seerthur is finally asleep. Uh, and so he, he drives the blade uh, through Seerthur, in, stuck into the bed beneath him. Um, Seerthur is just like full on badass anime mode and throws his sword at Gudarm and like cuts him in half. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, where, yeah, they say the, his, uh, what his lower body basically fell out of the room and then his head and arms fell back into the room. Um, 
And then, uh, despite the fact that he just got stabbed through and is pinned to the bed, he still, like, raises himself up on the sword, basically, uh, to, to talk to uh, Gvuthrin, who, like, wakes up. Was asleep this entire yeah. thing. <laughs> just wakes up drenched in his blood and, like, yes. wailing with tears. Um, <laughs> and the first thing he says is, don't cry. <laughs> Which... <laughs> okay, guy. Um... But yeah, and then and basically says, uh, you know, I never did like a disservice. Um, no, the thing he actually says is, don't cry. You still have family who will take care of you. They're fucked without me. I'm the best thing that ever happened to yeah. them. But you do have them. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Renhilder laughs at this and then uh, cries. Yeah. He also um, says in this that uh, he never uh, did anything with Brunhilder. Yes, um, which it, you know, there's there's the one that we know happened previously, um, mm-hmm. but then also it's ambiguous when he goes and is trying to convince her that they should like become husband and wife to fix this, if anything happens there. Um, I mean, she still she says, "I my castle, like I can't have two kings in my castle." Yeah. Like she shuts him down hardcore. He's yeah. he's extremely like we should just fucking get it over with. She's like, no. <laughs> This is not going to fix anything. Get the yeah. fuck out of my room. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And then uh, we get some exchange where, um, you know, they're, they're saying that like, oh, you deserve to have your brother King Otley uh, killed before your eyes. Um, and she's like, my brother's the coolest and best. He's going to outlive you and be mightier. Um, and, uh, I forget how, if she says too much else before, um, she ends up killing herself. Um, uh, she does give a big dream about, yeah. uh, Gunnar where it's like, oh, I dreamt Gunnar that I had a cold bed. You were riding into the hands of your enemies. Your whole family are suffering ill fate for you are breakers of oaths. Uh, it goes on at length. Um, yeah. And then, <laughs> um, and uh, and Gunnar uh, is like I don't know I don't know couldn't it might not be that bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna be okay, right? Um, he's gonna maintain this this approach for a while. Of yes. eh, I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure everything's fine. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, she she has the gold brought and uh, basically um, I think like Hugni and Gunnar end up being in control of this gold um because mm. this will become a thing with with otley later um it's a little unclear in the moment but she says like uh you know all who wanted to accept the gift of wealth uh to come forward um and then she stabs herself with a sword um and as she's dying still says a bunch um <laughs> we get a long death monologue um so we get uh more where she like predicts the future for um Gunnar. Uh we get we get some stuff here that is going to be true. Uh like the stuff with uh Svanhilder. Um the the thing with like Adrun, if that happens it's not talked about at all later in this book. Uh she mm. only gets mentioned in this sec in this section. Mm. Um so uh I don't know if this is just the sources that he's working on, like the saga author, uh, 
is working off of or not. Uh, but we do get this, uh, you'll be betrayed and put into a snake pit. Um, and, and sort of some of the rest of like how his line is going to die out. Yeah. Um, and then she requests that she be put on the funeral pyre. Um, basically like in the same way, I think that they, they were when they first pledged to marry them, Mm -hmm. like marry each other, uh, back during the weird dreamlike, uh, first encounter. Yeah. Um, and this includes having like, uh, attendants, um, their son, uh, not their daughter who will live on and is important for, uh, the Norwegian Kings because it allows them to tie their lineage to, to see Arthur. Um, but, uh, they're like three year old son, I think, um, also ends up, uh, on this funeral pyre. Um, and then, uh, it's set ablaze and she like walks out into it and it burns to death there with her. Um, this being, I think like her having this belief that if she does this, they will be together in the afterlife. Um, seems to be like why she wants to be burned with him. Um, Then uh, we get Vutheran running away. Um, yeah. Oh, I I like this. Uh, just this passage about how uh, Seerthur surpassed all men as go- uh, gold does iron, the leek other herbs, uh, and the stag other animals. Um, I just like that. Like the leek gets such primacy here. <laughs> um. Which does include, like, this word probably includes, like, onions and garlic as well. But, um, I mean, fair. Garlic owns. It's great. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Um, And then she disappears into the forest, which is a a loaded imagery. The the forest here having, I think, there's a lot of, like, folkloric sense of wilderness that people are familiar with as, like, a, a dangerous place. Um, but especially in sagas, it is like the, the space of outlaws, those who've been like cast out of proper society. Um, and she like chooses to go out there, um, and comes across the hall of King Halver. Um, this name literally, I think just meaning half, like it, it is just the, the English word, um, essentially. Okay. Um, and stays there for a while and uh, ends up... Three and a half him. years. It's a long time. Yeah, yeah three and a half years. Um, and uh, what's the name of her, her husband? I feel like she marries someone for a while while, they're, while she's here. Uh, it's not mentioned here. Maybe not. Yeah. Uh, but Grimhilder finds out where she is and sends all these idiots to come and talk to her. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, and she wants, uh, Glutherun to go and marry King Otley. Um, and this is probably to some degree, because like the, the marriage between Seerther and Brynhildr would have been, um, what, like it's, it was probably a political alliance to some extent. Um, Mm. it was like a, a sharing of wealth as well as like, a. uh, you having your like families connected in this way would uh hopefully reduce the the chance of conflict uh not mm. so in this case but <laughs> that was the hope um and the the part that's weird to me here is that uh we get uh 
Grimhilder once again mixing an evil potion to make uh, Futhrin forget all of her grievances. Yeah. Um, but she still seems to remember. <laughs> uh, like, yes. Like all of her, all of her dialogue in this seems to be like, no, I, I remember, <laughs> uh, which is just a weird detail to me, but, um, yeah. And then, uh, she ends up unwillingly going to marry, uh, Otley, um, which again, if people don't remember, uh, is probably related to somewhat based on the actual historical figure of Attila, um, yeah, she goes uh, and stays there, um, and she has this dream, uh, or no, he has this dream that she interprets, uh, and I think this part is very funny where he says, uh, I dreamt that you thrust uh, at me with a sword, and Guthrun's like, ah, so uh, iron means fire, and also that uh, you're wrong in thinking you're the best of all. <laughs> Just... <laughs> A very obvious literal interpretation of that dream, but no. Um, this does not seem like a great marriage. I'll be honest; yeah. <laughs> it seems pretty bad. These two just kind of snipe each other for the rest of her time. Yeah. Um, and then he also has this dream uh, that is very clearly pointing towards like, uh, you are going to kill my children and feed them to me, um, which, uh. She does go, well, your sons are fated to die, and many oppressive events are in store for us. <laughs> um, and uh, then they end up... Uh, King Otley seems to be pondering. He wants to get the, the hoard of gold that Seerthur had owned. Um, and so he goes to invite... Uh, or sends a messenger uh, to invite... Uh, Hugni and Gunnar to come visit. Um, and this we get the name of this messenger, who's Vingi. Um, and Vuthrun uh, takes, a, I think it's a, a bone um, that she cuts into. This is a common thing to like cut runes into. Um, mm -hmm. As well as a, a golden ring with a wolf's hair tied around it. Um, and the, the runes that she writes are like warning them not to come. Um, but Vingi reads it and carves over them in such a way where it looks like um, she is saying, oh, actually, you do come. Like, I'm urging you to come and, and meet with us. Uh, and so um, Vingi arrives, presents the stuff. And um, what Kostbera uh, immediately is like, hey, I think she's the one who, who recognizes the... Um, the wolf's hair um, yeah yeah um, uh, there's there's also while he's there vigny is going on about how king atley's really old actually and he he extends the invitation but he doesn't realize that you guys could just come and like fuck up his shit and take over um, yeah really goading everyone to like march into a big battle where everyone dies yeah um oh no it is it is hugney who says uh when I looked at the treasures, I wondered at the wolf's hair that I saw tied around the gold ring. Uh, but may, uh, it may be that Guthrin thinks that uh, he has the thoughts of a wolf towards us and does not want us to go. Um, but despite this, uh, Hogni and Gunnar still seem pretty set on going. Yeah. Um, especially as the the like 
drinking stays on. Um, and, uh, you know, wives his wife, to... yeah, Hogan's wife just like realizes what happens to the runes and it's like, you idiot. They've been carved over. Yeah. Uh, but at this point he's already been like, yeah, sure. We'll go. Um, yeah. and he's just gonna, like I said, I, I sent the RSVP. We have to go now. Um, so, uh, Hogney has this dream. Um, we've got like a turbulent river that's destroying. No, no. This is, this and... is, this is, um, this is Costabera's dream. She's telling him, like, oh, yeah. I dreamed of uh, this horrible river came and broke up our entire hall and it was miserable. And he's yes. like, you always have bad dreams. It's fine. Yeah. It'll be fine. <laughs> uh, you're just anxious. You have nightmares. It's fine. Um, <laughs> then she's like, he's like, it's like, no, 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 you don't understand. Uh, I dreamed the bed covers were ablaze. The fire left her from the hall. And he's like, ah, <laughs> you, you, you mean, uh, you our, haven't been uh, doing the laundry. <laughs> Yes, our clothes lying neglected. Though we burn your thoughts uh, of guilt. She's like, I thought there was a bear. Yeah. Ate, it destroyed the king's throne. Uh, <laughs> had us all in his mouth together. And he's like, ah, a strong tempest will come when you thought it a white bear. And she's like, an eagle entered through the hall, splashing me and all of us in blood. It must bode ill. It was the image of King Atlee himself. And he's like, oh, we often slaughter generously and kill large oxen for our pleasure. It signifies cattle for when one dreams of an eagle. Atlee means well by us. And then she's like, fuck you, go. Just go. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Gunnar, um, he has a similar dream. Um, and Glomvar, his uh, wife, is also doing the, the interpretation stuff. Um, and so, uh, or no, or does she have the wife in this one? Yeah, she has the wife again, and then he's interpreting. Um, yeah, so she's like, uh, I thought it a bloody sword was carried here into the hall. You were pierced through with the sword, and the wolves were howling at both ends of the sword. Um, and Gunnar's like, oh, dogs want to bite. It's fine. They, they're like all, all bark and no bite. Um, and then uh, she goes, uh, also, I thought that I saw a somber-looking woman entered here and chose you as her husband. Uh, it could be that they were your deezer, which are like the spirits of fate within like the cultural context of uh, old Norse stuff. This is being like, I dreamt that the Grim Reaper came and took you away from me. His answer is classic. He's like, ah, oh, dreams are very hard to interpret, but everyone dies someday. It's not. I'll probably live a long time. I'm healthy. Yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, uh, Early. God, at the beginning of this year for Abnormal Mapping, my game club podcast, we played a game called King of Dragon Pass, which yeah. if you've not played it, I highly recommend you play. It's like a, it is like a, you're managing like a, a small tribe in like a magical, like kind of vaguely fantasy Nordic area or whatever. Um, it's a strategy thing. And everything about these chapters is trying to talk to your circle about anything. Someone's got a dream. The other person's not listening. They just want you to sell cattle. And you're like, how do I square the circle on this? And you just don't. You just can't. It's just doomed. Yeah. Anyway, if you like these things, uh, you should play King of Dragon Pass. You get it on Steam or your uh, your phone. I think it's on all both phones. Um, it's good. It's a good game. Yeah. it's It's been one that I have uh, multiple times thought about picking up and playing. Um, mm. I just need to wait for, for me to like get into a gamer mode again. Yes. Right now I'm anime mode. So yeah, no, that's fair. Um, it'll happen eventually. Um, but yeah, they, they end up going, 
despite all of this, um, again, they just seem to be like in the most denial about what's happening. Um, they literally say the entire, like the weeping household led them out. Help me son said farewell and enjoy good fortune. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. Um, and then and they don't to even like how bring they, that many men. Yeah, they left all the warriors behind. Yeah. Um, so anyway, they arrive, um, and, you know, they show up, it's the time they're supposed to be there, and, uh, the, the gate is, like, closed, um, uh-huh. and, and locked shut, and so they break it, and then, um, Vingi, the, the messenger, is like, oh, you know, now that you broke the gate, what a mean thing to do, over there is gallow trees, and we're gonna just... Please, since you destroyed our property, uh, walk over here, uh, get in line, and we will we will uh, kill you over here. Just let's do it nice and clean and quietly. Um, and Hogni's like, we're not going to give way to you. We're not going to shrink back if this comes to battle. Uh, and then they they beat him to death <laughs> with the blunt end of their axes. They don't even use the blades. Um, uh, Rip to Vigny, you were <laughs> evil and an asshole, seemingly for very little reason. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so then they, they go into the hall, uh, King Otley has already got all of his forces ready, um, and they basically fight in the, the King's Hall for a really long time. Um, it's just... He's the one who's still, he's like, you betrayed, uh, Like, I can't, you can't be trusted, uh, you're a danger to everyone, I'm doing the just thing that everyone seems to have forgotten about. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... And uh, Guthrun is like, please, like, don't fight my brothers. I don't want my brothers to die. Um, but Otley doesn't listen. And so uh, eventually she goes out um, and fights. She puts on a mail coat and takes up a sword and fights alongside her brothers. Um, and uh, we just get, you know, it says, uh, it is said that the whole field was awash with blood. Um, mm-hmm. and despite not bringing their warriors, uh, Gunnar and Hogni, uh, like we just got like a whole tournament arc of them. I mean, they don't describe it, but um, you can imagine you could easily put a whole tournament arc in here, um, of them just taking down, uh, 19 of the chapter, uh, champions that are killed. Um, and, uh, eventually they, they push through. Um, but, uh, in the end they are captured. Um, King Otley urges his troops and, uh, they eventually drive them back and are, are able to take them, um, in, uh, and yeah, I think, yeah, it's, uh, Gunnar who's in the stocks. Um, and they're, they're basically like have split them up and they're trying to get them to like say where their gold is. Mm. Um, and uh Gunnar basically says uh you know you should you should if you're like really so serious about this go kill uh my brother Hogni and bring me his heart um and so at first they kill their uh thrall um Hyatli and bring the heart and he says oh i can tell this is the heart of a coward uh it it quakes in your hand and it quaked even more when it lay in his breast 
Um, and then they actually uh, seize Hogni, uh, kill him, cut out his heart. And then Gunnar says, oh, now this one I know is my brother's because it, it lies so still and yet it stirred even littler when it was in his chest. Um, but now I'm the only one who knows where the gold is. So you've kind of screwed yourself. <laughs> um, and uh, in the end, he gets thrown into the snake pit um, as Brynhildr foresaw. Um, Guthrun goes out and tries to uh, help him by throwing down a, a harp um, and he's like bound up with his hands so he plays it with his toes but it's so well that um, even people playing with their hands could not play as well uh, and in doing so lures all but one of the snakes uh, to sleep and the, the final snake uh, does still crawl up and bites his heart uh, we just yeah, get a lot it of grows with its head into his chest until yes. it can strike his heart, which is yeah. a pretty hardcore thing for a snake to do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, while trying to fight a sleep spell. So yeah. Um, uh, and then we we end up getting uh, you know Guthrun's upset about this. Uh, obviously, was not having a good marriage with Otley anyway. Um, and so uh, at the funeral feast, um, I think this is when, uh, yeah, at the funeral feast, she she seizes uh, his sons, uh, takes both of them uh, and says, I'm going to kill them. And they're like, well, we're your children. You can do what you like with us. Um, we're not going to hinder you. But like, this is shameful, <laughs> <laughs> which <laughs> like. Honestly, kind of an intense response to have as a child being told you're going to be killed. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, she kills uh, the sons and then um, what? Their skulls are used as... Yeah, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the whole thing because yeah. the king's like, oh, after the feast, king's like, where's our, where's our children? She's like, I will tell you and gladden your heart. You caused me heavy sorrow when you killed my brothers. Now you shall hear what I have to tell you. You have lost your sons. On the table, both their skulls are serving as cups, and you yourself drank their blood mixed with wine. Then I took their hearts and roasted them on a spit, and you ate them. Um, and King and Ali's then, like, that's that's mean. Yeah, King Ali's like, that's kind of fucked up. <laughs> Little time is lost between your wicked deeds. Yeah. Um. And so, uh. Well, we end up getting, um, so Hogni left behind a son named, um, Nivelung or, or Nivelung. This is where we get hmm. the, the Nivelung from the Nivelung lead. Um, oh, is he important? Cause not really in this. Yeah. Not really in this. I think he becomes a more important figure for like, uh, German stuff. Um, oh, okay. Various people from this like story become important to different cultures and so get focused on more, um, hmm. And the way that, like, I w wouldn't be surprised if Svan Hilder gets dropped out of some tellings entirely. Um, mm. uh, but um, Nibelung has a profound hatred towards King Otley. Um, and so uh, Guthrum basically uh, edges them on to, to go and uh, thrust a sword into King Otley's chest uh, while he's asleep. Um mm -hmm. They do it together. They like yeah. sawing into his chest together. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, he of course wakes up at being uh, stabbed in the chest. 
uh, says, there's no need for bandages for, or for cures, but who inflicted this wound on me? Um, and Guthrum was like, it was, I did it. And I was also my son, <laughs> the son. I like the, his the son response is like, his response is, it was not honorable for you to do this. So there's some cause for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, you know, like bad thing you did, but I understand the reasoning. I understand yeah. where you're coming from. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, he also says various things about, oh, you know, uh, paid your marriage settlement, um, but you did not, like, comport yourself well in my lands. Uh, you've caused your mother-in-law to shed tears. Uh, basically just, like, guilt-tripping her on this. Um, yes. And she's like, that's fair. What, you, what you've spoken of is uh, a much, or you have spoken much that is untrue, but I do not care about that. <laughs> And then she says, like, it was all, really, it was just I was in a bad mood because none of this was good as when I had uh, Sirithar around. Yeah, he was uh, you're, great. You're, uh, you're, you're second best. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and they, they basically bicker for a little bit more before he dies. Um, and then uh, she, uh, still feeling seemingly some guilt, I, it seems to be based around everything that's happened. Um, she, she goes out to throw herself into the sea. Um, but, uh, the waves carry her across the sea to, um, the fortress of King Yoniker. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, he marries her and they have, uh, Hamthir, Surly, and Erper are the, the three sons. Um, yes. and then Svanhildr, uh, apparently also gets carried over the sea or something. <laughs> I'm like, is she pregnant when she goes across the sea? Is that what happened here? It's very unclear. <laughs> yeah. It makes it sound like she is carrying a small child that she was about to drown and they also get carried across the sea. Yeah, no, they already had this. They already had this. Um, yeah. Or no, yeah. Svanhildr is not the one who, who matters to the Norwegians. Um, that's Auslayer, who is the, the child of, uh, Brynhildr and Seerthur, who I think we just get mentioned once. Um, mm. but in the, the, like, uh, old text that like this translate translation is pulled from, uh, it immediately goes into the saga where then she's married to one of the Kings of Norway. So, oh, okay. um, all of this is actually truly just lineage for some King of Norway. Um, mm. well, it's like, Oh great. Swanhildr's now our new hero. We're going to, we're going to get the more, the long sorted tale of Swanhildr. Um, and then we reach chapter 42. Someone who was married and trampled to death on the hooves of horses. Yeah. Literally the chapter before is like two short paragraphs that starts yes. with, they had a daughter called Swan Hilder. And then we get the, literally the next one on my, um, on my ebook. It's literally all on one page. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so, um, there's a powerful King named Jermyn Recker. Uh, he wants to, to marry Svanhildr, uh, but also he has a son named uh, Ranvir, who also wants to to marry her. Um, and uh, Ranvir is, like, egged on in doing this by a man named uh, Bicky. Um, and so he ends up uh, going and, like, winning her heart. And then um, uh, Jermyn Recker is upset at this, that his own son would, like, you know ask out the girl before him i guess <laughs> yes um and so ranvir is sent to the gallows well um, bicky so bicky's like ah oh, you should you should take her instead your dad's too old and yeah. then they come back home and he immediately goes to the king and is like oh your son slept with your bride-to-be mm -hmm. uh 
and he just like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll listen to you. Yeah, He's definitely just, not a shady man. <laughs> we just got so many assholes who like seem to just double like double cross people for no reason. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know what Vicky has to gain from this, but uh, yeah. I do like the note. In the past, Vicky had given the king much bad counsel, <laughs> although this outstripped any of his previous ill advice. Um, and yet the king listens. Well, yeah, um, so they take Ranvir to the gallows, and Ranvir catches a hawk in at the hallows, plucks its feathers, and is like, this is me, shorn of my honor. And when the king is told about that, he's like, oh, I made a terrible mistake. But in the relaying of the message, Biki definitely threw the switch and uh, Ranvir's dead. So he's like, oh. Yeah. Um, and and then... he's like, well, you know who really caused all these trouble? This is Von Hilder. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Yerman Rucker is like, you know what, Biki? You've never led me astray before. Uh, I accept your <laughs> advice. And so has Von Hilder bound uh, in the gates of the fortress and horses trampler. Um, I, well, at first they don't they, want to until yes. uh, because of uh, she looks at them. Uh, and so they put a, a bag over her head and then um, and then the, the horses are able to trample over her. Um, uh, Gluthorne learns of this and is like, my entire life is like horrible <laughs> why why does that happen to everybody i care about uh anyway um my sons you should go and kill Jormund rector for doing this um and so uh while they're on the way um do we get anything else before we get the the bit with um hamthir sorely and then uh, the actual thing that's good here is um She's like, she, she goes to her kids like, how could you sit here when my daughter was taken away and then murdered for no good reason? Do you not have the blood of uh, Gunnar or Hugni in your, in your bones? And they're like, you hated that guy. <laughs> you, you hated, you, you hated your, these guys. You hated everyone. You hated Atlee. It all sucks. We're going to go only to get away from you because you're annoying. <laughs> yes. Um. And so the three of them are going. The youngest is uh, Erper, um, and they they ask him for help, uh, and he says, "As the hand helps the hand, or the foot helps the foot," uh, and they think that he's saying, "Ah, like, you know, I could do it myself. You, I like, you know, I'm not going to help you." Uh, so they kill him, which just seems like an extreme response to your your brother saying something vaguely cryptic. Um, <laughs> Uh, and then on their way, I'm not um, even sure that he said no. I don't think this is a no, honestly. Yeah, no, I think he's saying like, yeah, I I will go help you. Um, I will help. We're all you. alike in this, so I throw yeah. in my lot with you. That's how I would read a phrase like this, yes. right? They totally misread it though, and then just immediately kill him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because and you know the the saga itself reveals that this is probably what he meant because they're going and uh, Hamthir stumbles and is, throws out his hand. Um, and Surly stumbles, uh, throws out his foot, and they're like, oh, like, the hand helped the hand, the foot helped the foot. Um, they helped us regain balance. Oh, no, Edper must have actually been telling the truth that he wanted to help out. Um, <laughs> uh, so then they, they end up getting there. Uh, they fight against... Um, oh, they also, this is a, an important thing. Um, Glutheron gives them this armor and basically says... Uh, as long as you don't, it's unclear. The, I, I think the saga that we're reading translates it as um, 
as long as you don't like cause harm with stones. Uh, but the sentence could also be read as like, as long as you don't harm stones, um, mm. then like you'll be impervious to, to all these iron weapons. Um, mm. But so they go out, they fight against uh, King Yermanrecker, um, and uh, Hamthir cuts off the hands, Sorley cuts off the feet, uh, and then they go, oh shit, if everybody was here, he could cut off the head. <laughs> um, we really fucked up by killing them. Um, and uh, because uh, Anfred is not there to, to cut off the head, uh, the house carls basically of King Yermanrecker. Um, you know, grab hold of him, uh, of the two brothers, uh, are trying to kill them with iron, uh, to no avail. And, uh, at this point, Odin returns for the first time in this entire, re- like, section of chapters. Uh, yeah. a one-eyed man, tall and ancient, comes up and says, you are not wise if you know how to, or, uh, if you do not know how to kill these men. Um, and they're like, well, tell us. Uh, specifically, King Yormrecker, shorn of his hands and feet, yes. sitting there bleeding, goes, oh, well, if you're so smart, tell us how to do it then. <laughs> and he says, stone them to death. And they do. And it works. And, they do. and they're dead. And then it's, the saga's over. It just ends. The like, end. <laughs> the end. Um, Ridiculous. Yeah. I'm excited for us to get on to, to some other saga. Like, there's so much cool evocative stuff. Um in the saga, but I feel like you really feel the way that this is like a, a collection of legends and myths. I think mm. um, there's lots of stuff where like, like there are some great moments in um, chapter like 30 and uh, 31, um, especially um, mm. I think those are the, the two big ones. That's a lot of like Brynhildr, uh, being really depressed and upset about finding out about the, um, you know, exactly what happened. Yeah, there's uh, a long dialogues between uh, Sirther and Brynhildr that's all really good. I yeah, think. yeah, and like for me, this is some of my favorite stuff um, in the saga. As someone who likes uh, messy, dramatic, like uh, sad romance stories, like the the part of me that is constantly nana brained likes these segments just because mm. it's a lot of good um i feel like in those two chapters i can like very clearly understand different people's perspectives and uh how they're like having different approaches to this and what they're trying to do and that the whole thing is kind of just futile because um is kind of so upset by this that she's just like made up her mind uh but everyone's trying to like dissuade her in different ways um, mm-hmm. but then you like get like a few chapters beyond that. And then people seem to be behaving like, including like some stuff with Brynhildr just seem to be like slightly different suddenly. Um, yeah. you like character motivations are, are often inconsistent throughout the saga, I think. And I, I think some of that is just, um, emblematic of this being collected from a bunch of mythic sources, uh, and those sources having kind of, um, you know, some of them might be different poems that the saga writer is pulling from that have been written down from oral traditions, but that have deviated in various ways. Um, I'm kind of curious, uh, my, my mother-in-law always wants to buy people a bunch of books for Christmas. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I put on there the, the Tolkien, 
uh, book where he's trying to like sort through the saga and, and uh, do what he thinks is like the correct version of it. Um, so I put that on there cause I'm kind of curious just to read through that and see what conclusion Tolkien comes to. But um, yeah, I do think there's just a lot of cool, like there's some evocative images, uh, images in this that we're like not going to fully get elsewhere just because this is where we have dragons and shit, you know? <laughs> yes. Um, Odin I think, is a I main for... character here in a way that he's not going to be in basically anything else that we read. Probably. That's so strange to me. Cause I um, wouldn't describe him as a main character here, but he does show up in metal all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I think for me, it's, it's Sirther and rain just standing on that hilltop going, uh, you said the dragon was how big? And it's like, I'm like, oh yeah, we can do this for a while. This is going to be great. Yeah. Um, the... Just like unlock the thing for me in my brain of like, why this is good. Um, because like, I think, I think like I was expecting more of like the traditional, like, like European style morality play aspect to like Greek tragedies or like you know um just more of that you know like I, you know, i've read a lot of dante there's so much moralism once christianity gets roped in this bullshit um and there's just none of that here but there are a bunch of people who are acting in ways that are inconsistent in ways that feel honest how people are even if it's all fragmentary and weird and that's mm-hmm. the part i find deeply relatable it's like sometimes you're just your own worst enemy and it's not like a big grand scale of history odysseus kind of way uh, I love that too. Don't get me wrong, but sometimes you're just like a dick, and you didn't need to be that day, and it ruins your life. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I feel like this is uh, this is this is an interesting like part of why I chose this to be the first one that we read was just that um, one I knew that there's like a decent chance that people were familiar with parts of this story, even though I think a lot of people haven't read the actual saga. Um, there there's so much from this that have like permeated culture um in part mm. just because it was massively popular in like um you know illustration like depictions throughout history in uh like the the nordic countries um there's i'll actually uh send this link i pulled it up um there's an, a wikipedia page that people can go to that is the the sigurd stones um or the you know the seerther stones um, and it's just like a, a list of existing runestones that have, mm-hmm. uh, depictions of the saga carved on it. Um, and like some of these are just delightful to look at. Um, there's one that has a, a big section here, the, uh, so the like S O with an umlaut, uh, 101, the Ramson carving. Um, mm-hmm. and like, You've got like Seerther stabbing the serpent in the bottom here. Um, you've got uh, the the birds uh, talking to Seerther as he cooks the heart with like Grani there. Um, you've got Rayan with his head cut off um, yes. and his like tools splayed around. Um, I think that little dog thing up in the corner is supposed to be uh, Otter. Um, oh, okay. But. Uh, yeah, some of these depictions are just, like, fun to look at, and there's, um, I feel like there's just, like, so many evocative images here that, uh, get pulled and used. The, the playing the, the harp with his feet while the snakes surround him is also a common thing depicted. Um, mm. 
so yeah i i felt like it would be one that would be fun because there's a, a bunch of these like big mythic moments that people probably associate with some of this stuff um mm-hmm. but also in terms of like the the writing quality i think we were going to read like better written works uh at least in terms of like trying to tell a narrative um, yeah no that that makes sense i mean yeah look like i've read like uh like gilgamesh and that's like so fragmentary that it, it like it makes us look like a coherent single author yeah. work you know yeah um, <laughs> um but yeah, the thing that uh, I kind of remembered, but this just comes up in a lot of sagas, uh, but I think is actually sometimes exceptional in this one, is the amount of humor. Um, mm-hmm. There's so many good, like, wry humor moments, um, including Seather and Rayan, like, on the cliff, uh, looking at the tracks, but uh, also, like, the interpreting the dreams stuff is very funny. Uh, <laughs> like, this becomes a recurring joke throughout it, where people are... Uh, someone has like a very obvious what the prophecy of the dream is it's just like you don't you as the listener not as someone who has any familiarity with like necessarily interpreting dreams knows what this is about Uh, and then the interpreter is always obviously like seeding in their own uh personal biases and how they're trying to read it to um because so often it's like i dreamt that you betrayed me oh it means this other thing (laughs) uh that's all great so um yeah, no, no, I uh, I enjoyed this. It makes me the thing it makes me want to do is read the Nibelungen lead, which uh, I've not done. Um, yeah, again, as part of my missing like perception of these things, things to think about if we continue on into bonus seasons or whatever. Might put that on there if you're willing yeah. to revisit this and go a little far afield of our original remit. Yeah, I think there's some stuff where we could like we could rope in that. Um, we could also probably rope in like Beowulf at some point. As something that's oh, I love also Beowulf. Kind of yeah, I'd love. I haven't read. I haven't read Beowulf in full since I was in high school. So. Yeah, same. <laughs> um, I have two copies of it, like two different copies. But, mm. um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, this this one's good. It's like super breezy. Literally, if you are reading this casually, you could read it all in an afternoon. It would not be difficult. It's a short book. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're definitely going to encounter some longer sagas, but I, I think in general stuff is going to remain, um, like the, the length is just literally in terms of page numbers. We're not going to have anything that is not like everything I think is going to remain fairly breezy. Um, yeah. It's so funny. Cause, um, was it on latest Orient stairwells? You were talking about autumn was talking briefly about my history with coming out of like Japanese literature. And like, mm-hmm. you look at, you look at, uh, Genji Monogatari, that motherfucker is like a thousand pages long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it's like, it's like a, it's like a shaggy dog book, like book written by a bored court ladies about a guy who fucks around. And they just wrote new chapters about a guy who fucks around and passed that around. And then someone, as the last I checked, the authorship of Genji Monogatari might not be one person. It's hard to say uh likely is but you never know um yeah but it is just that story that's it's just like it's just the million word fan fiction that's all it is about like what if there was a hot guy who slept with all of us and he was really cool actually (laughs) (laughs) and it's just so different that this very terse like this is the thing and it comes you can just read it it's short it's coherent concise because it's not meant to keep like bored courtesans busy on rainy days you know yeah um yeah we're 
there's and this is something that I think we'll we'll get into some when we actually do uh Robin Kell saga because I know one of the things about Robin Kell saga um mm. is that for a long time um like all of the events in it are very plausible um all of the characters have like consistent motivations that might still change somewhat, but that like make sense for the circumstances that they are in, uh, that someone might change in these ways. The structure of it is very logical. Um, and also, and this is probably just a product of the, whoever wrote it probably lived in the area that it took place. Uh, most of the descriptions of the, the landscape and the areas that they're in uh, are like, you can go to those places in Iceland today and um, the, will be fairly consistent or the changes will make sense just in like the passage of time. Um, mm. So for a long time, it was taken as like basically a, a written history, like fully historical accounting of something that happened. Um, and then this notion has gotten challenged um, in like 1939 and, and into the forties. Uh, this idea of the, it's called the like book prosa position developed Um which basically argued that this is actually just literature. It's kind of all made up. Um, and then there emerged this like folklore version called the, the fry posa position. Um, and that one took this approach of like, Oh no, it's not like actual history, but it is actually drawing off of like oral stories and folklore. Um, and I think like this debate is unsettled. There's not, I think I personally land on, uh, some of this is probably based off of oral stories and folklore, but there, I think as often you can see in some of the works an attempt to like, to write a compelling story that like, there's a certain amount of authorship that is starting to enter in. Mm. Uh, but we can talk about that when we get to, to Robin Kell's saga. Um, it's interesting. Cause like this one, I understand it's fallout is like, it's adopted by other countries around <laughs> Europe, but like, we read this and it's like a good story about like a doomed guy who kills a dragon, but I don't know what it's for in the way that I often know what mythic literature is for. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. And I, and I think like, as we read some of the other sagas, there might be like more themes that we can try to unpack and, and talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and my best guess of like, what is the purpose of this saga? Um, is basically an advanced form of writing out a lineage. Um, yeah, instead that of, makes sense. Yeah, instead of writing out a, a really boring lineage where you're just saying the names who begat these people, yeah. um, by imbuing that like writing out of a lineage to talk about mm. why uh, your kings have the like divine right to rule, by mm. filling those with stories, you like make them characters that people are, will care about um yeah. that will have like cool uh deeds and images associated with them um yeah. and will then like further compel you to actually like uh believe in this lineage to some extent or to like uh have more investment as just like a common person i think i think that's like the best i can understand is like what's the purpose of this this book um yeah it is to to say like ah eh, we our line goes all the way back to Odin and also includes this really cool guy called Seether who's, uh, you know, only, only, uh, failure was to, to like try to help out his bro. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and in doing so lie to this woman who he was supposed to marry. Um, and then everything bad comes from that, but 
you know, uh, otherwise he was a great. Um, so. Yeah. Which is not like, this is a thing in like, like, I'm not like a huge, like Shakespearean person. Uh, never got far enough into college. I've read a lot, but like a lot of Shakespeare's most famous plays also include the historic, like the reason the story was made in the first place is because there's a lineage being able to be tied between the heroes of the plays and current Kings of England. Right. Yeah. Like, you have like you have to provide historical relevance to get it produced in the first place. Um, that just is throughout all of literature of like ancient times in the Middle Ages. Um, so that's just really interesting. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, no, that part makes sense. It's one of those things that's kind of really fallen out of like our modernist perception of what literature is for, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because who gives a shit? Uh, yeah. But makes sense, and this is um, I'm forgetting what author I was reading who who was putting forth. But I think I I generally agree with this like idea of um, why does prose develop in uh, Iceland in this way? Um, mm. Because before this point, and uh, even while Icelanders are starting to write prose, uh, there's still a fair amount in other parts of like the Norse world where stuff is still being written down as uh, poetry. But um, we'll get into this as we, like, get more into the the actual sagas of the Icelanders. Um, but they had this, like, new experimental form of government um, that was basically based around how do we keep a bunch of, like, uh, small chieftaincies. Like, how do, how do we keep the peace between them? But they mm-hmm. developed this, like, kind of experimental form of uh, government that involved needing to document the laws that you were developing that, like various chieftains had to adhere to as part of like this essentially extended uh truce or like pact that was being built um and so because of that having like the accuracy of writing down laws and also having the accuracy of writing down lineages in a way where it could not get muddled in uh poetic kennings and uh like other things in poetry that makes uh that text more ambiguous and harder to understand if they wrote it down in prose, they could be far more uh, accurate. And also this involved shifting to the, the Latin alf- uh, alphabet away from runes, which are also more ambiguous. Um, mm-hmm. And so this like process is, is focused around how do we like accurately document our laws and uh, our lineages, which are important for the right to rule. Um, and so then from there, you start to develop out like a, a storytelling tradition um, but I think this one is still very much stuck in the, like, the purpose of this is to document a lineage. Uh, but that was, like, the the reason why they even started writing in prose in the first place. Um, mm-hmm. At least I think. Obviously, all of this stuff is debatable because we don't have, like, <laughs> good uh, sources from the time explaining why they chose to write in prose. So, um... Yeah. Uh, that'll check us out. I don't think I have anything else. Yeah, um, I guess I mentioned this at the the front, but to to really um, be explicit, so we're taking next week off, right? Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> and then uh, the week after, we will be back, and we will read the entirety of Robin Kell Saga. Um, people can go to the the spreadsheet to see we have like information about the translation and stuff in there. Uh, but yeah. we're going to be reading the translation by Terry Gunnell. 
um, who I actually briefly met once when I was in oh, Iceland. Really? Um, and have, have quoted in an academic paper before. Uh, okay. But he did this translation, um, and it's based off of what is currently believed to be like the the primary uh, original text, uh, which is a vellum yes. manuscript called uh, AM 162 I full, like F-O-L period. Um, yeah. This is different than the, the other copy that I have, which is a, a far older Penguin Classics. Um, and I think the translation is from 1969. Uh, mm, nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and this one is is based off of a number of sources, um, primarily uh, AM five five one C four TO, but then also uh, that one has like a number of defects, and so there's like four or five other ones that that he pulls from. Um, yes. So this is where we'll start to see variations in some translations, but I don't think any of them will be significant. Where if someone uh, can't find the specific copy that we're reading um uh i will say i know for a fact you can get the sagas of icelanders wherever fine books are downloaded off the internet um <laughs> but it's in pdf form which is a pain in the ass so yeah uh it's all, you can also just get it uh physically and it's a brick you could murder someone with it <laughs> yeah um as someone who like has gotten into a lot of weird academic texts in my days days i definitely own heavier bricks than this but uh oh yeah i mean yeah yeah for yeah. sure uh but it is pretty it is pretty thick but this it's not it's not my two volume romance of three kingdoms which are dense in a way that is defies all physics um but i did open it up and go jesus christ uh and then was like why is a book this big and like this like referency got deckled pages this is outrageous why do this yeah <laughs> um but yeah why couldn't so, you just do it do do normal cut pages please the love of god if you don't know deckled pages are the ones that are like rough cut like and like staggered and just like is a weird textural thing that like is neat feels fancy isn't actually um but i don't want it on a book where i'm going to be dragging it to and from work all the time <laughs> yeah um but yeah this is the sagas of the icelanders with a preface by jane smiley is the, the one yeah. to look for um published by penguin classics um yeah and yeah it's a good text if people are following along as well because um i think i've mentioned this before but uh in the back there's a i think there's also some stuff in the front where they they talk some about the the culture and stuff uh but also in the back there's an extensive uh glossary so if you're reading along and someone says uh you know Godard, you can go and it'll say, oh, Gothorth, the authority and rank of a Godi, included, uh, including his social and legal responsibilities towards his thing men. And then you go, okay, what are thing men? And you can go look that up too. So, um, oh, yeah. yeah, it's it's useful to have that, um, especially the first time through where, uh, you know, you might know Berserk from the the manga and general sense of the word, but maybe don't know the actual... Uh, literal original you know what that meant so we are going to get a berserk at some point um, it means it means when your uh damage is higher but you can't actually do anything other than attack <laughs> in the final fantasy game um sometimes your accuracy is lower but not always uh you you might enjoy this it literally means bear shirt oh 
Well. Um, but uh, do not turn bears into shirts. I feel very strongly about this. <laughs> well, it's when, we're done here. It's we need when to you do, do our... a bunch of drugs and turn into a bear. Is basically yeah. What it that is. I I did know that part. Yes. Um. Anyway, yeah, we're done here. Where can people find you online? You can find me online at em underscore being on Twitter and co-host. Seems like Twitter might be sticking around. We'll see. I'm going to eat crow on that one. Yeah. Um, you can find all the podcasts at abnormalmapping.com. Check out Abnormal Mapping, the game club at thebestgame.club. We are a couple days away from recording our episode on Snatcher. It'll be out next week. That's going to be a barn burner because that game is really good, but Kojima's ideas of storytelling and politics are really stupid. I mean that both positively and negatively. <laughs> Kojima both has fans. stupid ideas of storytelling and politics? I never would have guessed. Especially in the 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, boy. It's a lot. Um, so look forward to that. I am. <laughs> um, you can find me at FoxMomNia on Twitter and co-host. Um you can go listen to all my other podcasts on exportodd.io uh including I'll do Ghost Divers this time which is an anime podcast where um Connor and I talk through and sometimes guests uh talk through series like 6 to 8 episodes at a time usually um we are wrapping up our series on Paranoia Agent um the question bucket will be out soon. And then we're going to start doing Kino's journey with uh, guest Kim, who uh, some people might be familiar has guested on some abnormal mapping podcasts. So um, yeah, I feel like getting Kim for Kino's journey is like cheating somehow. And I don't <laughs> know how to explain it other than like Kim lives in a perpetual state of Kino's journey at all times. Yeah. The one thing that was that surprised the first time we went to record um, like, and I had like checked in with like everybody being like, oh, are people still good to record? Like, you know, tomorrow or two days from now or whenever it was. Um, and Kim was like, yeah, I'll, I'll be good to record. Um, but she wasn't like tweeting about Kino. And I was like, briefly worried just from that. <laughs> I was just expecting tweets. I was expecting retweets of like Kino, but, um, no, th those, those are uh, fun episodes. So, um, I feel like Kim and I are very aligned on our opinion of the series, and Connor's uh, in a slightly different camp. But um, we all had fun and enjoyed. It, so. I uh, I remember liking Kino's Journey, but it like kind of came and went in my brain. And I know Jackson really liked it in the way I was like, "We've watched better shows than this. I don't know why you're so hung up on this one." <laughs> um, it's one of my favorite anime, but part of that is tied to the fact that. Um, my, my wife, Emily, when mm -hmm. we were like very early on in our relationship, uh, I got dumped by a girl, uh, who's mm -hmm. abusive and it was a, a good thing, but I was still depressed about it. Um, I was all yeah. like Brynhildr mold, uh, mode about it. Um, yes. you, good yeah. thought. <laughs> uh, despite the fact that it was like the only good thing that that girl ever did for me was dump me. Yeah. But look, anyway. sometimes you don't know until you're yeah. over it. Thankfully I didn't like burn myself on a funeral pyre. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. And so then uh, Emily and a, a mutual friend invited me over for like a, a, a slumber party, basically. And we watched like a bunch of Kino's Journey and ate ice, ate ice cream out of the carton and talked about mm -hmm. how much like my ex sucked. Um, mm -hmm. And then that was also like the one of the first times I wore like a skirt and stuff. Uh, so 
I think all of those positive emotions I have from like that night have become oh, yeah, glommed on to Kino's journey. But it's yeah, made it you one can't of my argue favorites. with that. That's just yeah. impossible. Um, <laughs> I'm like, if you just want an anime where like some stuff happens to a character that moves through space over and over again, I like Arya for that way more. Um, but um, they're of a type. Yeah, we can do. I don't think um, I've seen Arya. I should check that out. It's good. Um, you'll be like, oh, this is the most M core anime outside of like Polar River Cafe to ever exist. <laughs> um, I need to look at the rank. I did rankings for for Ghost Divers, and we've done so many bangers that I don't even know if Kino's Journey placed to that high. Um, but for every New Year's special, we rank all the series that we did. Um, Jackson keeps threatening to do like a bracket of um beach house episodes for like a voip or whatever and i'm like i don't want to have the fights we're going to have if we do that um because a lot of our like big huge splits come on things we've covered in beach house where there's stuff i like i think ping pong's one of the greatest animes ever made jackson had a hard time with it uh i don't think about blue blazes ever it's one of jackson's favorite shows you know sometimes you just this happens when you do a podcast with someone yeah <laughs> it's weird because we're i think we're like cartoonishly aligned on Gundam, but when it comes to the other stuff, it's all over the place. <laughs> um, I think the wildest divide so far is that Connor uh, likes second gig a good a good deal. Uh, does not think it's as good as the first season, but thinks it's better than Solid State Society. And I'm like, no, you're wrong. That's, that's, you're just that's, wrong. Oh, I'm like sputtering. <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that. Um. Connor is just like big ghost in the shell brain to them. Um, it's, it's, I think, I think Sega gig might be the biggest disappointment of doing anime since we started covering anime. Yeah. I, in terms of like, I was expecting to love it and it whiffed so hard. I can't think of anything that was like set up to like, I'm going to really love this in the same way. Yeah. And it's weird. Cause like saucy society comes right back and I really like that movie. I think it's really smart. I like, it's like thoughts about like, you know, necropolitics and how we treat healthcare in the old. And it's like really good. Yeah. Um, I also say about it that I don't know if the people who made solid state society know this, but solid state society is about the failures of neoliberalism. <laughs> it yes. just is. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I had this moment when uh, we first started the podcast and we watched standalone complex uh, where I remembered seeing second gig when it like aired on adult swim or whatever and enjoying it and being like, Oh, I'm so pumped up about like ghost in the shell. And so immediately like right after we recorded um, our final discussion episode, I immediately started watching. I think it was actually the day that I watched the last episode of the show. I started mm -hmm. watching uh, second gig. And so I just like immediately tanked into being so let down thinking that I like loved it from when I was, you know, um, in high school as well and being like mm -hmm. oh no this is not what i thought <laughs> it's really funny because like we watched ghost in the shell and then i think we watched a, a, a standalone complex sorry my brain just lost the track of what we we're and after that i watched innocence and when i watched innocence i was like well i have no time for standalone complex anymore <laughs> the thing i want already exists and it's like two hours long and it has kind of a stupid ending but like it's about a thing that Ghost, the Salem Complex could never get to if they had 700 episodes. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of anime about how society is bad and cops are evil, but it won't commit, blah, blah, blah. Uh, bitter ironies of being a person living in modernity. 
Um, but Toe hangs out with his dog and pines for a lady who's now the internet. You can't compete with that. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Bato is so great. Yeah. Um, I think Innocence is like, I mean, I like the original Ghost of Shell a lot. I think those two movies are like some of the best anime films um, I've ever seen. I've, I don't think I've seen like a lot of anime films. I've seen my fair share. I do all right. Um, I think that my ranking actually goes the first season of Standalone Complex. Uh, then the first movie, then Innocence. But those are all like five stars in my head. You know, yeah, mine is mine is Innocence first movie, uh, Standalone Complex, then Solid State, yeah. and then way far down is second gig, and then way 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 far down, you couldn't even count how many downs we have gone. Is the live action Scarlett Johansson movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh god, and I've not seen any past that. So we did that on Ghost Divers. Um, we were so prepared because we didn't tell anyone. We were like, we're just gonna release this on April first as like a joke. Um. Mm-hmm if we feel like the episode is good, but we are so nervous that we were going to watch it and just hate it and then record an episode that we thought was wretched. But um, I think we ended up having a good discussion, even though that movie was terrible. Um, it's probably... The ways in which that movie is terrible, like extend so far past the, just the, like the casting of Scarlett Johansson that everyone like hold held on to. Yeah. There's so much meat on that bone. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's awful. Um, at some point on, ghost divers we have to do like a rise and the 2045 or whatever just yes. like i feel like we have to do all of ghost in the shell at some point um i need yeah, i i jackson already went and watched those uh when they came like they and austin when we finished our season just like rushed ahead um and watched the rest of ghost in the shell that existed at the time and i was burnt out i was like i'm not gonna do this um so they i just heard from them about both of the, those things and have not checked it out myself yet yeah um, I, I, I'm like, I feel like we might end up hating it, but I think we'll still get good episodes just cause we care about ghost in the shell so much, um, mm-hmm. that like, that'd be different than us just like watching it. Any regular anime that we think. I remember correctly, garbage. both Austin and Jackson said Arise had like really interesting stuff if it wasn't very uneven. Um, yeah. And 2049 is a disaster. Yeah. 2049, <laughs> I think is the, the one that I'm. Uh, a little bit worried about doing on the show, but I also feel like we, we need to like, we should do all of ghost of the shell is, is my yeah. firm belief. So <laughs> yeah, I'm, look, I'm about to watch Gundam seed for six months. I understand. Oh, I'm going to do that too. I know. Uh, I, I did know. get one thing spoiled for me, which I'm not going to say, uh, but it okay. did make me slightly excited about, uh, I have a lot Destiny. of things I want to actually, cause you mentioned this the other day and I want to know what this is after we're done recording. Cause um, okay. I know a lot about seed destiny. So I probably know what this is, but I, there's a couple things it could be. And I would like to know which one it is. Um, um, I will just say it's tied to a specific suit because I was looking at the, the pre-order for, um, okay. The, this like, could be one of two things. I yeah. The now. like Gundam, the Gunpla expo thing. Um, uh-huh. I forget what it's actually called, but uh, I was looking at that and I saw Sue and it briefly made me excited about Sea Destiny, which is the most anything is made me have positive ideas about watching that. So, <laughs> yeah, the worst um, part is I'm kind of excited to go back. Um, I do just want to know. I'm, yeah, I, I want to know. It's like one of the big looming mysteries. What the hell is the end of Seed? Um, also, like. Well, I enjoy SD Gundam Force. There's nothing to talk about. Like we watch the episode, I tell you what happens, and we move on. I would like some something to chew on, even if that chewing is like disgusting shoe leather that I have to complain about every week. <laughs> um, oh, 
Uh, my toddler and I, I think, are two episodes ahead of Great Gundam Project right now. Um, okay. And the the next episode that you're gonna watch, I thought was a banger. It's been one of my favorites of the second season. So, okay. Um, I've been I've been going to Arc has been really exciting because I just it reminds me how much I like the G Gundam guys. I don't like G Gundam. I don't think that's a very good show, but I do like everything else about G Gundam. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes something is just fun to think about in abstract. Yeah. 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 Um, should have been an easy slam dunk. Uh, have you seen G Gundam? No. Um, that's one you could totally watch as the dub i know you're like what do i watch in dubs it's got a the dub's bad but you could watch it in dub. yeah yeah there's been a few of those that i've been wondering should i just like watch this uh that's outside of universal century stuff because i think at this point the rest of universal century i have to watch um subtitles because i've seen the ovas i mean eventually it rose back around and I th- i'm pretty sure like origin and um unicorn have dubs but oh that's yeah true. But I, I i'm gonna i'm gonna get to that when ggp gets to that once yeah, i'm caught up with ggp i'm not gonna go ahead so other than ibo okay. which i've already seen and which mercury you're which covering it again so. yeah yeah if yeah. you're listening to this and you want ibo coverage uh I, i've been telling people you're gonna do it at the beginning of the year right is that around the time yeah um yeah. it'll be i think the first episode will be like very early february okay yeah. um I keep thinking of it as January because that's when I'm going to have to start watching the show. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think it'll be, like, very early February that it goes out. I, I Weirdly, I don't actually know that much about IBO. I know about, like, the coding. So everyone's got to use, like, bludgeons and swords. And I, I know Raise Your Flag because it's a banger. Um, that's about it. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed it. I'm going to say something very cryptic that I don't think is fully. It's going to give you the wrong idea of what IBO is. That's fine. Uh, but it's a little bit of like a the Yakuza uh, Gundam in terms of like Yakuza genre stuff. Like uh-huh. it's kind of about like warring Yakuza families sometimes. Sure. Um, but, I see how this happens. Yeah. So I think that's part of why I love it. But mm-hmm. um, also if people want to hear me talk about other Gundam stuff, I think the the best source for that is the last episode of Pondering Putak. <laughs> if I was like... <laughs> So I was, I was, you were talking about that robot that shows up and I was like, oh, this is going to be like, they're going to go back and talk about the actual like comic a little bit. Cause it's a cool robot guy that shows up. I'm like, really it hasn't even I, shown up in the comic yet. It's next time. Okay. <laughs> okay. Because I, I assume given the description, it was just a joke about now there's a robot in, in, uh, Crony high school. Yeah. Um, and no, you just talk about Gundam for half an hour. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, and that's I, the I enjoyed all of it. That's the, that's the. That's the most unfathomable thing about it is that someone else was talking about Gunna for a half hour and I didn't get mad once. So you know what? You good job. <laughs> no one else can achieve that. Austin yeah. can't achieve that. I get mad at Austin about Gunnam all the time. <laughs> um I need to I need to get back to Double Zeta. Um I've had some weird uh lunch breaks the last couple days, but um Yeah. I'm I'm excited. Uh I'm I'm I can't wait for your opinion on Moon Moon, which I love more than anybody on Earth. Um, yeah, I don't even know what Moon Moon means yet. Yeah, so. it's fine. Don't worry, you will. Yeah. You'll know when you get there. Uh, Jared's great. Um, just shout out to Jared. Um, he's my homie. Uh, and yeah, already already a big fan of judo. Um, yeah. But um, I think we're done here. We've yeah, recorded for yeah, like yeah, twenty done. minutes more. 
this uh oh yeah no this is gonna be a beefy one this podcast of course you can find abnormalmapping.com slash long fire it comes out every wednesday night uh we promote it on thursdays um you post on co-host what's the co-host for that is it uh, just long fire long fire yeah yeah um if you go to the website you can check out our schedule on what we're going to be reading next um i don't think those days those weeks off are all correct but that's because i didn't give you a good sense of when those are going to be i know next month says um but yeah. i don't know about after that um but um you know we'll just keep going uh if you like this please tell your friends retweet rechost i hate fucking chost as a verb um reblog the the co-host post uh maybe hang out in the abnormal happy discord and say you like the episode yeah. we love feedback we're both very needy people i know we come off as aloof and cool but <laughs> i'm here to tell you we're really needy i'm um, extremely needy <laughs> <laughs> yeah um why we get along so well anyway that's everything we'll see you in two weeks uh, until then we're yeah. out of the podcast we're out of the podcast read all of robin kelsaga all of it